Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie Show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, December 7th. It is about 7 p.m. Central Time, of course, in the great city of Chicago, and we have a little bit more to talk about, and unfortunately, it is the winter of farewells, Brendan, which is something that... I think we anticipated, uh, but the most recent one was definitely not on anybody's list of farewells we were going to have to give. And of course, the news I am referring to is that Len Casper has left the Chicago Cubs to do radio play-by-play for the White Sox. I am unfamiliar as to what city that team plays in, uh, but it is not with the Cubs. So the Cubs have a vacancy for their television play-by-play seat. Uh, According to the folks over at Marquee, there has been a lot of interest, obviously, as you would expect in in such a high-level job, and they are conducting a thorough search. So 
Yeah, Brendan. Um, we knew that we might have to say farewell to some players. I, I think that, you know, as we talked about on the last episode, despite uh, some sadness and, and a little bit of melancholy feelings over lo- losing guys like Kyle Schwarber and, you know, maybe transitioning from some of that, that key core of the 2016 World Series champion Chicago Cubs team, um, you know, we, we knew that that might be coming and more may be coming in that regard. We were, you know, kind of prepared for it, I think. We, the Theo news was probably a year early, but again, you know, especially how often he'd talked about the 10-year thing and just his general trajectory as a sports executive and, and, and a person, again, something that that was a year early, but that we were probably prepared for or should have been prepared for that it was going to happen at some point in the nearish future. This one, though, I got to be honest with you. I would have expected you and I wouldn't still be doing this podcast when Len was no longer the voice of the Chicago Cubs. And you and I were extremely fortunate. I don't even think fortunate is the right word. Uh, to be able to interview Len on this podcast, which was uh, a total dream for two people that really grew up listening to the man. Um, but I, I will, you know, we're we're going to talk about this a lot, and I think we're going to talk about a, a little bit of just like the general goings on of the Cubs right now on the field, and apparently also as an organization uh, outside of strictly on the field. But just your general thoughts, Brendan. I mean, I I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows uh, that we would uh, take several bullets for Pat Hughes, uh, but they also know that we are uh, quite effusive in our praise of one Len Casper and that this is a bit of a, another gut punch. This sucks. I mean, it's one of those instances where when you read the news, you don't believe it at first. Like, I think I looked at... Sahadev's Twitter handle to make sure there was a check mark there like 10 times before I actually believed what I was reading, that Len Casper was not only leaving the Cubs, but to, to go to the White Sox. Knowing Len, knowing, you know, not personally, but hearing him talk about the sport, the history of the sport, Len is a baseball history nut. Like he knows his place in Cubs lore with Jack Brickhouse and Harry Carey. He knows baseball broadcasting history. So losing Len because he understands that history sucks, but it's also not surprising given what he's recently said. And Len always talked highly of Pat Hughes, but as Len was discussing, his ability to go to the radio to paint a picture of baseball, like Pat Hughes does, is something that he had an itch for. Now, I will say, <laughs> like Len Casper also knows the the legend of broadcasters who are with the same team for you know decades, like a Harry Carey, like a Vin Scully, and so there is a part of me that that does wonder, and we'll never know, and maybe this is truly not the case. But there is part of me that wonders once Marquee Sports Network started, you know, implementing features of their broadcasts that emulate more of a national broadcast, if that kind of shifted lens thinking process, not in a way of him, you know, searching elsewhere, 
but marquee transitioning from that local type feel that we got with NBC and WGN for so many years and ABC7 to that national feel where you're getting three men booths, where you're getting you know suit and tie feel, when you're doing more product placement and in-game segments. By default, you take away from the game. You take away from describing the game that you're watching in a way that Len was probably more, I guess, happy to do in years past. And again, it's not to say, hey, you know, and Len said it himself, the Mar- like Marquee Sports Network did everything they could to keep Len. But in the back of my head, seeing what Marquee did, it's it's probably not surprising if it did kind of shift Len's, you know, thinking process. He just turned 50 years old. He said to himself that this is an opportunity he just couldn't pass by to do radio. So I'm happy for Len. At the same time, you know, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed what we're seeing just from, you know, that side, from the Cubs uh, marquee sports network yeah. side and them not being capable of keeping a talent like Len. And the direction they're going, go for it, right? Like if you think that this type of broadcast is going to reap more revenue, gain more fans, and you have your your rational to do so, okay. I don't know. I fully disagree with that, uh, you know, going with a three-man booth and more product placement and all of that. You're taking away from the local feel of the game. But it is their decision, and it's not congruent with who Len is as a baseball history aficionado. So it's not surprising. Um, like, like that was that was a gut punch, dude. I love Len Casper. Um, you know, he came over to the Cubs when I was 12 years old, and I did watch Chip Carey. Right, he was the the first announcer that I like actually remember. I remember a little bit of Harry Carey, but Chip Carey was like my guy when I first started really getting into the Cubs. But when you start watching more baseball as a 12-year-old, 13, 14, 15-year-old, your understanding of the game evolves with, with what you're watching and who's describing the game. So my fandom, how I view baseball, was markedly shaped through Len Casper. And I'm lucky that Len was the Cubs guy to do so because Len was like the most progressive baseball commenter and broadcaster, but did so in a very humble, laid-back way, always open to new ideas. And I don't think you can replace that. I think Len is a once-in-a-generation type guy. His ability to always merge baseball history, baseball fandom with modern-day baseball analytics, you know, the 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 light-feeling nature of his broadcast, you're not going to get that. I don't care who else is hired. So for that reason, like, oh man, like Mark, Mark, Marquis, how did you, how did you, how did you, not keep a talent like that? Was there anything that could have been done, not now, but before the network got started to appease someone like a Len Casper? We'll never know, but it does suck, dude. It's like worse than losing right now for me, like any player. Yeah, there there's a lot of angles to this. And I and I think, uh, you know, some of the stuff with Marquis is what we'll talk about when we get into kind of like the broader picture of what's going on with the Cubs, or at least what's going on right now. But I, I want to stay on on just uh, praising Len and, you know, thanking Len. I, I think you really hit the nail on the head in how perfect he was uh, for this period and for this fan base. I, I, I think I, you know, you and I were in our early teens or 
preteens uh, when they first hired Len. So I, I don't, I would be lying if I told you I remembered what the response was uh, to his hiring or his uh, career at the time, you know, with the Marlins or whatever. But I think, you know, there there was such a, he was a, obviously, you know, in his early 30s when he first started with the Cubs. And I think he had that ability to kind of grow with the fan base, you know. So I, I don't think that a new broadcaster uh, has to be young necessarily, but I think that Len's trajectory just really worked so well with the Cubs and and how long he was with the organization pr- prior to the 2015 and 2016 teams. You know, he, he was there before, and then he guided us through the rebuild and obviously was the voice of the successful, you know, parts and, and the fruits of all of that labor. And I think, as you mentioned too, his ability to integrate advanced baseball paradigms and metrics and statistics but not doing so in a condescending or overbearing way is something that I personally will be forever grateful for to him. Um, A, not only for helping my own understanding of those things, uh, but also as I got further into those things, as I was reading about sabermetrics and starting to go on fan graphs more and, and learning about these stats, in a in a in a world a baseball world where the fandom is still very divided on those things right like if you cite war to certain people they call you a nerd and you're ruining the game and all that other stuff and i think people like len in those positions are crucial to the advanced metrics being more accepted and i and i also think beyond that like the way len approaches advanced statistics is how it really should be approached you know when len would talk about you know you darvish and he would talk about FIP or something like that, uh, fielding independent pitching, he wouldn't tell you that that was the most important thing. And if you looked at his ERA or if you looked at his, his win total, you were an idiot, right? He would blend it all together in a way that was like, let's take a look at everything. We can look at the whole picture. Here's why this might be important. Here's why this might be important. And he just had a, a really eloquent way, as a play-by-play announcer often does, of bringing that into the broadcast, educating people, and making some of that more commonplace, but I I think not doing so in a way that was offensive to people who just aren't interested in in that stuff. And I think that's something that uh, I'm really grateful for and grateful that the Cubs fan base got to experience that. You know, when we see some of these other games, the national games, or when you watch a road broadcast, like, uh, you know, no offense to these guys, but a lot of the broadcasts sound pretty dumb. You know, like they say dumb stuff about some of the players, especially the players on the Cubs when you're watching like a Reds broadcast, right? You're like, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. And I think Len being someone who was trying to educate a little more, just bring a light to where the game is going in certain directions is is really important. And I think we were lucky to have that. Um, But beyond that, you know, like you were saying, and this was the, I, I shared a little bit of this clip on Twitter the other day, but this was the first question that we asked him in our interview that was, that we did with him that was, um, I think, uh, in March of 2018. So, you know, right as spring training was getting underway. And at the time, it was going to be his 14th season. Uh, and I just, you know, we, we asked him, like, do you ever get a sense of 
how important you are to Cubs history, you know, because we hear obviously so much about Harry Carey and we hear so much about Jack Brickhouse and of course Pat Hughes and the legacies that those guys have and the importance that they've had on the Cubs fan base. And, you know, Len was the the voice of the TV Chicago Cubs for 16 years. Like that's a really long time. That that is a big impact. He left a an a a you know undeniable mark on this organization. And you know, of course, the the humble guy that he is, his answer was, you know, I I don't really think about that. And if I do, it's pretty overwhelming. Um, but that's how it is, especially for for people like uh, Brendan and I. You know, and I heard from some of you guys on Twitter that you know you've uh, had a lot of you know more broadcasters and and connections to some of those guys throughout your lives because you're a bit older than us. And um, but but even still, Len, you know, stuck out as a very important voice. But yeah, I've I've said this before, but you know, Brendan and I were in our early teens or preteens, and we were obviously already Cubs fans. We had lived through Kerry Wood in 1998 and Sammy Sosa, of course, with the home run race. So we were already in, like we were already, you know, kind of had made our, not decision, but, you know, we weren't White Sox fans. We had fallen in love with the Cubs and whatever. But, you know, Len was the voice of those years that I think turned Brendan and I into the people that are talking to you right now, you know, and he was the voice that was in our living rooms and guiding us through all of that for a, a very long time. And it's one of those things, it's it's weird to, uh, you know, feel the loss of a broadcaster perhaps more than some of the actual players. Um, but that's how this feels. It, it feels like someone you've known and uh, has been a part of your life for over a decade. Um you know, just sort of moving on. And it's it's a tough one to swallow, but I, I did just want to, you know, obviously continue to highlight, like, Len was uh, an absolute treat to have. Um, you know, his enthusiasm, his intellectual side, um, it, it, was, it was a treat to have him as our broadcaster. Um, you know, looking back at, at some of those highlights, I know obviously everybody goes to that Aramis home run um, against the Brewers in 2007, which is, you know, obviously iconic. His call of Chris Bryant's walk-off against the Rockies in 2015 is another one that I, I always like to listen to. And one clip that I keep going back to that I, I think really, like, embodies who Len was and, and his ability to connect to Cubs fans was that game uh, where they did that throwback broadcast on WGN and him and Bob Brenly were dressed in like the old school suits. And when Jim Edmonds, uh, I think it's a game tying home run, he does the Jack Brickhouse call. They put the hey, hey graphic on the screen. And, you know, Len like just lets out like, at a boy, Jimmy, wee, like, like that. And it, it was just like one of those things where it was just, I, I think really encapsulates why Len was such a great broadcaster, but also why he was such a great broadcaster for the Cubs. You know, he he knew the history of the booth that he was representing. And when, I don't know whose idea it was to do that throwback game or, or what, but he leaned full into it, right? Like he didn't have to do the impression like that. He didn't have to yell. You know, he knows that, you know, when his voice cracks and all that other stuff that people are going to talk like, and he doesn't care. He sold out for it because he's having fun. He loves the history. 
And, you know, he loves honoring the broadcasters that, that came before him and then that, that, that are part of Cubs history that he's trying to represent and uphold. So I, I think, you know, we could certainly go on about why Len was great and stuff for, for a long time. But those, are, those were my initial thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I, I saw some people put it really well on social media that the, the difference between losing a player and losing a, a longtime broadcaster is that, you know, the, the, the players are part of a team that you see uh, for a few hours a day and, you know, they have their at-bats, they're in the field, but they're, they're part of a bigger picture, right? Like e- even Anthony Rizzo, like we don't watch Anthony Rizzo literally for three hours a day when the Cubs play. We don't, we don't see him on camera. He's not doing stuff for a constant three or four hours. The broadcaster, on the other hand, you hear the entire time. And, you know, the, the, the best way that I saw it put is that the broadcasters are someone that you and usually your family or your friends invite into your home and, and provide a voice into your home, uh, sometimes for 162 games a year. And to lose that voice is like losing a friend. And it's going to be replaced by somebody else that we don't know that, you know, will probably feel like a stranger for uh, a little while. And it's, 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 uh, it's a tough one, Brendan. This offseason has been very trying so far. Uh, and it's barely, we're barely in December here. But yeah, the, I, again, like I could go on for a while. Uh, Len has meant a lot to me. He's been the voice of uh, a lot of really big moments uh, for this team. And as I, you know, kind of was just saying, like, I'm going to miss Len, being in my home and, and, and providing the voice to so many of just my afternoons. You can't replace them. That, that's, that's the thing. And, I, and trying to like describe Len so, you know, in like a few sentences, it, it's, it's really impossible. But I think the way to put it is in an example. And in the early 2010s or late 2000s, there was a clear dichotomy that still exists today in baseball media. And the dichotomy is you have one side that is more or less full throttle with advanced analytics. And 10 years ago, it was, you know, FIP, WAR, WOBA, all those metrics that are now almost kind of like common language in, in the baseball fan circles these days. And the, the other side of the dichotomy was the old school nature, the Harold Reynolds, a lot of the discussion you see on MLB Network at the time. And you had, you know, the Brian Kenny show with Harold Reynolds and you had this like, you know, dichotomy play out. And it seemed always that those who were on the side that did not, you know, get on the boat with advanced analytics they appreciated the history of the game and not to say that the you know people from Fangraphs and Brian Kenny does not but naturally when you talk about new age baseball metrics you don't do so mostly in a context of, of history of baseball history and what made Len so distinct was that he was able to one not overwhelmingly inundate fans with advanced analytics but he was able to merge his knowledge of baseball history, his his place as a baseball broadcaster with some of those new metrics. And he was able to tell better stories that way. And just to paraphrase it, I don't have this quote in front of me, but he said that. Like 
he felt that it is his obligation to tell a complete story. And you can't tell a complete story in his eyes unless you bring in some of the new stuff that, that new baseball fans are creating. And that's that's the worst part about losing Len is I don't see many people capable of merging history and new age baseball like that. Mm-hmm. And you can you can do it. I think it's possible for people to do it. I don't maybe some current broadcasters can do it, but on top of Len's ability to do it, his his tone in, in actually communicating was next level. Like you never got the sense that he was a know-it-all. And I like even doing this podcast with you, Corey, I do think there's a fine line when you talk about even the the more newage uh, metrics that you see, you know, on baseball savant. There there is a fine line with talking about these numbers and then, you know, discounting what most fans consider informative, like batting average, like RBIs. And it's not to say that those are, you know, useful or whatever, but you can't you can't discount those because that's how fans interpret and view the game. And I appreciated Len's ability to even consider that. And it, it is like, you know, a, a good example of, of of what I think people on MLB Network, national media needs to do. And one error, and I truly believe this is an error, is ESPN's more StatCast-centered broadcast, dude, there is not a dichotomy. You can't have, like, this is all my this is all my view, but the moment you put in the sand a line between a regular baseball broadcast and a StatCast-centered broadcast, you're already turning away fans. It's these, these, new, these new age, quote-unquote, advanced, whatever you want to call it, stats, they're not unable to be interpreted by the casual fan it just needs to be mixed in naturally like how batting average used to be like how rbis used to be you can do that and that's that's like my biggest pet peeve and concern is that we're kind of going in two different directions as a baseball fan community where you're going to have a lot of people hold on to the you know the old way the baseball purest way and then a, a different segment that's going to go in a complete opposite direction and you're going to get an unwillingness for new fans to uh, to learn about some of the new stuff going on in the game. And that that is where I think, honestly, to bring a full circle, where Theo can actually do the sport a favor and make it more accessible and understandable. And Len, I think, I've listened to a lot of other broadcasts because I watch a lot of baseball. The Giants broadcast is good. There, there was no one like Len and JD, dude. And this is even, to speak more credit to JD, he was the perfect color guy for Len. JD, likewise, very open-minded, very humble, does not come off as being a know-it-all, but he does know quite a bit about the new age stats, and he was a player himself, and he knows what worked and, and what did not work, and he does so in a in a very you know lighthearted, comedic way. Right. He was the perfect color guy for Len. But this is this is all to say that when I think of Len, it's hard to actually concise everything, but his ability to reach out, get a 50, 60, 70-year-old fan on board, and in the same breath, bring in a 15-year-old kid like myself, that's rare. Yeah. You don't see that in national media today at all. In fact, you see the complete opposite, the intentional opposite, and no one will be like Len with that. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. 
Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates, you will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st, and terms and conditions do apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and I think Len, too, had a, a very good way of towing that line between being a sort of like rowdy homer um, in the vein of, you know, someone like Hawk Harrelson, right, who's just obnoxious in his homerism and in many other ways, but that's a sidebar, Um, you know, and a sort of national broadcaster that is intentionally supposed to be devoid of most emotion one way or another, right, and just kind of call the game, point out the exciting moments. Len did a, a really good job, I think, of threading that needle where you felt like he was on the Cubs side, you know, and he wanted the Cubs to win. He was a part of the Cubs, and he was rooting for the Cubs. But if if the Cubs were, you know, getting shoved by an, an opposing starting pitcher, Len was going to tell you that, you know. And if the Cubs were doing something bad on the bases or at the plate or in the field, he would tell you that, you know. And, and I think that's a, a very tough line to toe, and I think often broadcasters get it wrong one way or the other, right? They either come off, you know, the broadcasts are so slanted in one direction. Um, And again, you know, you learn a lot of this from watching road broadcasts of the Cubs where, like, they just start trashing all over the Cubs or they're just spouting narratives that aren't true, things like that. Um, and you know, again, the guys where you're watching the broadcast going like, man, I mean, this is going to put me to sleep. Like these guys just don't seem to care at all what happens in this game, even for the team that they're supposedly working for. So I, I think that Len was really good at that, um, in, in giving you that excitement, you know, his obviously classic, oh baby calls on so many of those big Cubs moments, but throughout the game, not feeling like you, you know, the things he were saying were disingenuous because he was just saying it to put the Cubs over, right? Like you, you felt like you could trust him. If he, if he, if there was something 
worth criticizing or pointing out that was bad that the Cubs were doing, he would do it and he wouldn't shy away from it. So I, I think that that was just another thing that you know, you don't find in all broadcasters and, and that we were lucky to have uh, with Len. Some people may prefer, you know, more of a kind of like blatant Cubs homer, but I, I think the balance that Len struck, uh, you know, and, and I think Pat does a very similar job. Um, I, I think that balance for me is is the right balance where you know deep down they're rooting for the Cubs, but if, if their job requires them to, you know, be honest and it's not nice to the Cubs, then I trust them to do it, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the story with Len. This, this was a, an unanticipated one. Um, and you know, again, like one that I I think just sort of hits closer to home. Um, you know, the impact that Theo Epstein has on the baseball team and on the organization is obviously more significant than Len, but we don't often hear from Theo every day, and we won't hear from Jed Hoyer every day, and we're not going to see a lot of what they're doing on a daily basis. But, Plus, we knew they would leave eventually. Like Right, yeah. But Like, in my—I <laughs> mean, it sounds kind of weird, but I, I, I thought Len was going to be here for, like, another 10 years at least. Like, I thought— Oh, I would have thought forever, I, yeah. Yeah. Whatever you wanted to find forever, like, I thought Len would, you know, be that person. Yeah. Like. It just seemed to me that Len, knowing how baseball history works, I, I thought he was in a role that was his peak. Like I thought he wanted to go out in the same breath. And no one's Vince Scully. I'm not trying to compare the two, but I, I thought he would go out in the same, you know, relative context for the Cubs as like a Vince Scully type figure. Um, and I, I'm I'm sad that won't happen. I, I really yeah. am. I thought, you know, 16 years, it's a long time. But I thought Len was going to be here until, you know, he has no more hair left. <laughs> like, that's that's truly what I thought. And that's, that's, the, that's the worst part about this is you do lose. Now, I was looking at one of the uh, first broadcasts that Len did. And you see the lineup. And you see, like, Corey Patterson in the lineup. And I'm thinking, like, what other bridges left do we have from that era to now. And Len kind of was that last bridge. And I always, I, I, I like the nostalgia piece when you have like people from different eras kind of transition into modern Cubs baseball. Like that's that's why I wanted Matt Merton to play left field in 2015 in front of that scoreboard. I thought that would have been hilarious. But like truthfully, there's if no more bridge. you guys had bri- Matt Merton on your uh, bingo <laughs> yeah. card for today, you can scratch it off. <laughs> but I, it's, it's all to say is like there's few people right now in, you know, the media spotlight or within the, within the Cubs that have been there for so long. Yeah. Pat Hughes is one of them. You know, Ron Coomer from his playing days, he has, you know, the native Chicago history. I can't think of many others. I, I really can't that you see and hear on a daily basis. And that's that's what's most sad to me. It's it's you you lose a piece of your, you know, a piece of your past, but also you thought that this person was going to, you know, this announcer was going to be there for, you know, the re- the rest of their careers. This is what they wanted. And, and that's, ugh, it just sucks, dude. Like, I, it's hard to put the words to it, but it, it just sucks. Yeah, I, no doubt. And and I, I, I like what you were getting at there. Like, I, I do think there is, is something to, you know, having a voice like that. And, you know, obviously Pat is in this, this vein as well. So we were fortunate in that matter. But to, you know, go along that journey with people that understood it, right? Like, you know, obviously they're in a different position than the fans, but, 
you know, Len was there. Len called games in 2006, right? He knows all about that. He suffered through that too. He had to work those games. And, you know, then he was there in the successes of 2007, 2008. He called a lot of bad baseball from, you know, 2009 to, you know, 2014. And so I think there's there's just such a connection there when things start going well and the success is coming in 2015 and 2016 and, you know, beyond that you feel like you've been on this journey with this person and, and that when, when Len is get it, finally able to call them winning divisions and being the top team in the National League and, and things like that and coming back in 2017 and getting to refer to them as the World Series champions, like that carries weight because you've gone along. He's been on this journey with us in watching them lose 100 games or whatever, you know, and, and stink and, and have no relevance in the bigger place of baseball. So I, I think being able to sort of go on that journey with someone that you know has been on it with you is important. And um, yeah, so it all it all sort of brings us to, I think, the kind of bigger picture, which is that I, I think we have no choice. I, like you, Brendan, I agree. I would be rather surprised if some of the changes that we saw with the introduction of Marquis did not maybe make this offer from the White Sox or this position for the White Sox more interesting or more compelling than maybe it otherwise would have been uh, had things stayed the same. That said, I, you know, Len has been pretty clear in the days since uh, that his interest, his dream has always been to do radio and to be able to do that for a team. Um, And when you looked around at a lot of the people that have worked with him, I know there are, you know, uh, someone, you know, like Matt Spiegel from The Score was, you know, trying to be pretty clear. Like, guys, I know a lot of people want to direct their I are at Marquis right now, but I've worked with Len. I've been with Len. I was with Len in the booth in the playoffs for a lot of these years. Like, trust me, this is what he wants to do. He wants to be in radio. He wants to be able to do the radio broadcasts if a team is in the playoffs as opposed to TV where it switches to national. Like, this is what he wants to do. This is not just like an escape from Marquis for him. So, like I said, I I am skeptical, at least, that that doesn't play uh, a factor. Um, and, you know, I know, like, a lot of people like to talk about the ties and stuff like that. Like, I, re- you know, I'm sure he'd prefer not to, but I really doubt he cared about that. I think it's more of the structure of the broadcasts, the three-man booths, the, you know, constant uh, random reports from Taylor and things like that, and just the sort of overall national, like, corporate feel that Marquis has, which, as you alluded to, Brendan, is a deliberate decision, one that you and I both think is very wrong, but it's not my call. Um, so it's all just to say, like, I, I think, like, I'm upset about this. I'm going to be watching who they decide to replace him with with great interest, and I'm prepared to be upset about that too. Um, but I think we have to, you know, I think we have to take Len at his word, and, and he's always wanted to do radio. Like you said, Brendan, he's 50 years old. Um, this is in the same city that he's worked in for a long time, so he doesn't have to make any major life changes, you know, with his family and stuff like that. So 
you know, I think we ultimately just have to accept that and take that at, at you know, face value uh, because either that's true and the whole truth or there's more to it that we won't ever know, um, you know, unless Len if Len writes a book in 30 years and there's some deeper truth here, then maybe. But otherwise, you know, we're never going to know it. So it from him, from a lot of his colleagues, this sounds like this was uh, an opportunity that he wanted. And, you know, I suppose the silver lining here, Brendan, right, is, and, and maybe this isn't true or, you know, has nothing to do with it, um, but perhaps this is an indication that Pat Hughes is not going anywhere for a long time, uh, because if, you know, maybe that were more imminent, they would have told Len that, and he could have waited to take over for the Cubs. So I'm choosing to look at, try to find some silver lining here, and maybe <laughs> that just means that Pat told him, like, nah, like buddy, it. this is me for the next two decades. Sorry. I like it. Yeah, one other tidbit to add to that point about Marquis. Len was slated before COVID to do about 12 national games that were not even Cubs games. So, you know, try to compartmentalize who Len is. He's someone who appreciates the local, familiar feel of a baseball announcer. And now Marquis wants to use their star broadcaster in a national spotlight for 12 games out of the year. That's why they wanted... Uh, Chris Myers, who also does national football games, is with the Marquee Network to fill in for Len for 12 games when Len did that. I, you know, that sounds like something Len was not particularly seeking, just, you know, reading uh, a lot of the content on The Athletic. So that that's part of it. And it, this is not to say that the Marquee Network is responsible for Len's departure. We don't know. We'll never know. It sounds like Len truly wants to do this radio gig for the sake of being a radio announcer. But how I'm trying to reconcile this is seeing and hearing what Len is saying completely conflicts with the direction that the Marquee Sports Network is taking. And... uh, like tr- truthfully, Corey, it's it's hard for me to even say anything like positive about the network right now, given how they've misled. Like like Crane Kenny has misled fans. I'm sorry. Like yes, the the TV deal that they promised that all fans would access get access to was so distracting, was so convoluted, so confusing. To this day. I'm not in in Chicago, but to this day, I have no idea where he even stands. I don't even know how you guys can watch these games. And this is right after WGN made the product accessible elsewhere. This is a different TV market, granted, but the point being is there are legitimate issues making the Cubs content available to those who actually want to watch the Cubs. And I'm thinking back to my childhood self. When I moved away from Chicago to Arizona as a young kid, I got to watch half the Cubs games a year because of WGN. And I know like the modern kid these days can just you know stream it and whatever. Um, and I, I and I and I get that, but you can't do that if you're a kid in Chicago right now and your parents can't afford cable, right? Like you cannot buy MLB TV or the right. single team package because of the blockouts and blackouts. And in that case, you would have to go to, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, somewhere like Reddit. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm explicitly telling you not to do that. But of course, not to do that. Yeah, I'm so, just saying that would be your your only choice. And that's that's really discouraging for me because I want baseball in general to grow mm-hmm. at the same pace as the NBA. 
I want new content creators. I, I want people to be excited about baseball the way you and I are excited about baseball. And I'm genuinely, genuinely concerned that's not the direction Major League Baseball is going. And now, on top of that, I'm immensely concerned that the Cubs are not going that direction either. And that really, like, genuinely makes me sad. Yeah. So I I don't know the intricacies of the Marquee Network. I've I've also watched a little bit of it, and like it's not doing it for me, man. Like they're yeah. they're clearly missing something here, and maybe they can turn it around. Granted, it was a COVID struck season. You don't know how that affected their their hiring process, their, their their workers, everything. Right? You do have to have a little bit of slack, but. There's so that dude. There's so many fans, like even on Twitter, that even have media like backgrounds. Like how, how are you messing this up? How the, do you not the make other your day product available? Was um, you know, and granted, like I I have you know certain like circles I I run in on on social media and you know people who I'm obviously more inclined to see their tweets and and. Uh, Agree, but even looking at like the replies to Len Casper and the replies to the guys at the Athletic who reported this story initially, um, the replies to the Cubs, Marquis, etc. Like I, I don't know, man, because we didn't have Twitter when we were kids, um, you know, and like and Dusty Baker was putting Nafi Perez in the lineup every day. Ugh. How about that <laughs> for your bingo card? Perez. We're filling up that bingo card today with yeah. random names, um, <laughs> but like. I was talking to my dad about this, like, people seem pretty pissed, um, just at, like, the general state of of things right now, and that's kind of the broader discussion that I wanted to get into, and and I think that Marquis plays into that, right? Um, I, I I would note, I think, like, and I think you guys know this, obviously, like, Brendan and I are not, probably not, uh, the the first people I would consult if I were making a, a Cubs network, I guess. Maybe, maybe a little bit, but like I, in general, I want to watch the games. I want to watch the games. I want the team to win. Beyond that, I really don't care that much. Um, there's a million places where you can watch Game 7 of the World Series or the old playoff games. Like uh, Most of them are on YouTube. I've got DVDs and all that other stuff to go old school. So... You know, and as far as like programming, like I genuinely couldn't care any less who Ryan Dempster is interviewing or or things like that. Like I just don't care. I want to watch the games and I want the team to win. That that's my primary mode of caring. Like when we when we get like the season ticket holder survey, they always ask questions about like the ballpark experience and giveaways and this and that. And my answer is always like I really don't care. Like I just just spend money on the team. Stop asking me these questions. Um, but I think we are also in that same vein. If you're trying to appeal to the lunatics, like that's us, right? And I'm I'm with you, Brendan. Like very little of what they've done, I I really would go as far as to say nothing um, that they've done on on the network, the original programming. I don't have any interest in any of it. Um, and I I read a quote from uh, Bruce Miles on Twitter the other day that I thought like really kind of summed things up in a little bit, you know, yeah, and Bruce is someone right. who's obviously been around this team for a long time. Um, you know, so he's been a part of the, you know, different shifts and things like that. But he said the fundamental mistake that Marquis makes is wanting a national feel on its broadcasts. Cub fans love their local feel 
and always have. And, well, and on top of that, Corey, just just to interject there, I think a lot of like like YouTube content is like vloggers, for example, is becoming popular because it's familiar. You can relate to mm-hmm. those people, right? And in the same context, that is why you and I like Len Casper, the familiar local feel. Marquee is stuck in 2005, dude. Like that, that is my concern. Yeah, no, like, and again, like, you know, we don't have the numbers. I can't tell you, like, I'm sure there are, you know, I don't know what appeals to everybody. I can only really speak for myself, but I I read that quote from Bruce Miles. Um, You know, it's a sentiment that you expressed earlier, but I I think hearing it, especially from someone like Bruce, who, like I said, who's been covering this team for a while and covering Chicago sports for a while, I I think that that really gets to one of the roots of the, the, the different sides here, right? Like the marquee feels more like a national broadcast. It feels more corporate. It feels more polished. It feels more like it is trying to appeal to fans that are almost deciding whether they're interested in watching the Cubs that day, rather than appealing to the people who are, of course, going to be watching the Cubs that day, right? And will watch a ton of Cubs content if you put it out there and if it's good. But I think, you know, that also just speaks to the connection that people have with Len, the connection that people have with Pat, and why the WGN thing was a whole thing, right? WGN was across the country, but the reason it attracted a lot of people and the reason that the Cubs culture attracted a lot of people is that it's it felt like a small thing. It felt like you were a part of a small thing, a a family thing, like a unique environment type thing. It it did not feel like you were watching some national, like, bastardized broadcast, you know, this, like, clean, emotionless, feelingless, you know, like, turning on WGN and listening to Harry Carey and watching the, the fans in the bleachers, like, that felt like a local, like, unique, close experience. And that's just not how Marquis feels. Um, and I, like, I'm not an expert in this, uh, but I have been consuming Cubs content and Cubs games and broadcasts on many different channels for basically my entire life. I think they're making the wrong gamble, Brendan. And I think they're making a, a, a bad gamble in a larger part as an organization. But speaking just from the network, it, it, it sounds at least for the moment that Chris Myers was sort of just a rumor because he worked there and that that's not a job that is being handed to him. But we'll see. Just because they say they're doing a search doesn't mean that it's not going to land on Chris Myers. Um, big mistake. I, I, that's just, that's it's the wrong choice. Um and it's for a lot of the reasons that we talked about with Len, because Chris Myers isn't those things. Um, but I think where you're really missing the mark is that you would be bringing in a national guy who does not have that connection to the fan base and who has been trained. And, and he's obviously had a lot of success in being a national voice and speaking to everybody and appealing to anyone watching the game and that's not what you're looking for in a local broadcaster. In a local broadcaster, you are looking for someone to appeal to the fans of your team 
and to draw them in and to make them feel like they are a part of something, like all of the the names that we have listed. And I don't think Chris Myers does that. Um, and I think he would add to, you know, what is overall a, a very bland and, and, you know, kind of boring overall product, uh, you know, that we've seen from Marquis. And, and I mean, again, like, I don't mean any offense to any of these people. I'm just offering up my honest opinions as a consumer of the Cubs product for over 20 years. And it's not um, to say they're bad I, at their jobs either. Yeah. You know, Chris I, Myers is an accomplished broadcaster. Right. I, my interest level in watching a Cubs broadcast where Chris Myers is the play-by-play man and every half inning, you know, Taylor is interjecting with a piece of like Cubs memorabilia from the archives or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, and again, this is not like a personal slight to those, those folks who are very accomplished in their fields. I'm going to, I'm, I would mute the game. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't care about that. That, that, it, that is not enhancing the, the product for me. That is not enhancing my experience. Um, and I, I, there's a lot of names out there that are, you know, very talented broadcasters from, from you know, either the national level, local levels, et cetera. I, I don't have necessarily someone who I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my dream. It has to be this person. Because I didn't think, I didn't know I'd have to be considering this, right? Like, I haven't been paying attention to play-by-play people because I assumed this would just be Len for a long time. Um, but I can tell you, like, you know, I've watched Chris Myers do football games on Fox, like, I'm not going to listen to him call games. I can just tell you guys that right now. It's very easy to, like, sync up the radio or just, like, mute it and not have any, put on some music or something like that. Like, I just, that's not a a situation that is really enticing to me. Um, And veering more toward that, like, national, polished, like, cookie-cutter regional sports network approach is just not for me and at least from my perspective represents a pretty wild misunderstanding of the fan base and and the demographic um but you know I'm not in that position to to make those calls but I I think it's a it's a very risky play um and and again like I I don't think this is indicative of everybody but looking at social media those you know the day that the news came out about Len and then kind of the the period after like I don't know, man. Like, it, as you said, like, it's, it, you know, you have to have specific cable providers in Chicago. You have, you know, and, and I think most, most, if not all of them, you have to pay an extra carriage fee for, for this network and the package and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know that people are going to opt to just not do that. But like, people seemed pretty pissed. Uh, that's all I can really say. Like, I, I try to monitor the reaction to a lot of news. You know, like I, I read a lot of the replies to Cubs Insider tweets, to my own tweets, to Cubs tweets, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Like I read them when Kyle Schwarber got non-tendered. I read them when Theo left. I read them when the Cubs traded for Nicholas Castellanos. And I read them for this. And I really can't remember people being like more pissed off and that anger being as hyper-focused as it was, uh, specifically at the Marquee Network. Um, That's just what I was observing. And, you know, again, maybe that doesn't represent 
the entire Cubs fan base or a well, significant get, enough fan base. They did base get that, booed at the convention last year, right? Yes. Like, Tom said we so, wouldn't be booing a year later. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, about that. Um, so, you know, again, like that's just my opinion as, as someone who's 29 and who's been consuming this product since probably about 1997 in, in various degrees. Um, I didn't enjoy the broadcast last year and, I, you know, it, it obviously has the potential to go further in that direction. Um, but I'll, I'll always, I'll, I will always go back to this. Um, I, I remember that the, the game that Alec Mills threw the no-hitter uh, in Milwaukee and repeatedly through that game, they were cutting back to Taylor at Wrigley Field uh, going oh, yeah. through old Bears memorabilia from when they had played at Wrigley Field in the middle of a game where the Cubs pitcher was throwing a no-hitter. I, to me, that sums up the entire marquee experience in one sentence. And if there's a sentiment from folks that that is what they want and that that is what the fans want, I, I, I don't have the data to, to disprove that. Um, but all I can tell you is that when the Cubs pitcher is literally throwing a no-hitter, I definitely don't want to be cutting to a different ballpark to talk about a different sport. Call me crazy, right, for thinking that, but I, but I, I, I will never forget that game because I think it is, I thought it was nuts at the time, but I think it's really emblematic of like the fundamental decision-making at the network that just does not line up again with my own personal beliefs. If that's your jam, that's your jam, right? Like go for it. But that is not for me. Uh, and I think represents the kind of overall situation there. But, but Brendan, and I, I, you know, we have a, a, like a little bit of, I mean, we have as much time as we want, but like, you know, realistically we have a little bit of time left. Um, I didn't want you guys to think that we have an actual cutoff point cause we don't, but Brendan, like any radio producer will start flashing a red light at I me will. once I start going on I for too long. So, um, but I, I think that what, I really, I think, brought out a lot of these thoughts. And what I wanted to touch on just a little bit was how how, how much this this decision by Len, and again, I'm choosing to operate that I'm skeptical that the marquee stuff didn't have anything to do with it, right? I am skeptical of that notion. But I'm choosing to accept... At, at, at you know at face value that Len wanted to do this it was an opportunity and he took it and and that's the that is the reason but so it's all to say I I allow like if Marquis tried to keep him and he left then there's nothing they can do about that but I think that move is so fitting with everything else that has gone on with this organization and I, I think the larger, when I said that I think the Cubs are making a bad gamble in another way beyond just some of the decisions at the network, what I meant was that th- there has been basically zero, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, zero positive news from this team since the season ended. Is that correct? Am I missing something? Basically zero positive, yeah. Yeah. So, like... What what I what I'm beginning to wonder, and I do not have the the books right. Please don't make me go on the the ownership should spend money diatribe again. You guys know this, 
please. But, like, I think that the gamble that they're making, and it's reflected in a lot of ways, is that they, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but this is how it feels as a fan right now. It feels like the organization feels as though they can basically do whatever they want and everyone's still going to show up. And once Wrigley's open again, 40,000 people will be there. They'll all be buying $12 312s and it's all going to be back to normal. And with the network, they can hire whoever they want. They can put them in suits. They can make the broadcast how they want, what their vision is for for this. And people are going to watch it. People are going to pay for it. People are going to tune in to the, you know, whatever it is, 10 hours of content, of coverage a day or whatever, you know, the programming is. In my opinion, that if that is the gamble they are indeed making, I think it's wrong. Uh, and I think that they're you know, they're going to have to deal with that at some point. And I don't mean that people are going to stop being fans, right? Or they just don't care about baseball anymore. But what I always go back to is that in the in the 2015 season and 2016 season, and I think in large part the 2017 season in particular too, there was a sense from friends of mine, acquaintances of mine, and I, I think just in general on social media and, and people I would run into at bars and at the ballpark that like I will I will do anything to be a part of this, right? If I have to break the bank to watch this team play on a Monday night in May, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to pay the ticket price because this is the team, this is the run, and I just want to be a part of this time with the Chicago Cubs. And I'm not saying people don't care anymore, but like in 2019, for example, that that feeling wasn't there. You know what I mean? And and the stadium's still selling out. It's still full, like everything. But the fervor, the I need to be there just wasn't the same it, it you know and maybe in 2016 it was like I'm gonna try to go to as many games as I can if I can afford 15 games I'm gonna go to 15 games and maybe people now it's like oh if I go to three or four that's fine you know like if I can get the tickets like okay whatever but I, I just think that a lot of like this right now feels like it's it's it, it it relies on the fans being there no matter what and I think pre- World Series win, I think that was a safe bet with Cubs fans. Post-World Series win, post a few years where the team has not lived up to that heightened expectation, and certainly post a pandemic where a lot of people have lost their job, a lot of people's financial situation is in a different place than it was, and, you know, who knows how people feel about packing a crowd stadium. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how everybody feels about that. I just don't know if it's true. And, I, you know, to be clear, like, I don't think that, like, the you know, the Cubs are going to get 10,000 fans in the stadium, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I, I just think that a lot of this is operating under the, like, they'll always be there. This is what I want to do. So they'll show up anyway. I, I don't know. 
man. Like, I, I, I just don't know about it. And, and what really got me thinking about this is that all of this is happening, right? We have, there's been no positive news from this team. Like, maybe we all look at all these things differently if Rizzo had gotten, like, a three-year extension, right? Even, like, a bare minimum. Like, we're going to keep him around for a while, relax, everybody, kind of move, right? But all we've had is bad news. Theo's out. Guys like Schwarber, Elmora, who have been here a while, they're out. Uh, Len is out. We're reading Chris Bryant trade rumors for the second straight offseason. We're reading Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez trade rumors. We're talking about the the inability to spend, where the you know the front office is laying off employees and stuff like that. And and that's you know some of this stuff isn't unique to the Cubs, right? The Phillies seem to be in a worse situation than anyone somehow, um, but. It, it, it just, it, it's all under the the guise of, right, like, this is all happening. They're, they're still building this network. The network is not generating the revenue back for the baseball ops situation like it was supposed to in the initial promise, right? Like, this is all happening in an environment where, you know who has the highest ticket prices in the league? And whose tickets have inflated the most since 2015 by a lot? The Chicago Cubs, right? A team that missed the playoffs two years ago and got knocked out in the first round by the Marlins this year and now has lost their president, has lost some of their players, is talking about giving away some of the other ones. It just, it doesn't feel great right now and and I, like this I'm all over the place right now but it's 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 all just uh, the the conclusions that I guess I want to draw and some of this is you know I wish we had like four hours to kind of flesh some of this out but like the conclusions that that I would draw is that one I don't blame you if you're really pessimistic just about this situation right now. As far as like the the future of the team on the field and things like that, it's still true. Like the offseason has just begun. Let's see what happens. Let's give Jed a chance to maneuver things around and try to end up with a better result than running it back that we've all complained about for the last. So like I'm still on board with that, but I'm totally with you. If you're just starting to get beaten over the head with some of this negativity, I, I don't know how you couldn't be. And I think, I hope, the reason I kind of brought up the gambles that I think that the Cubs management and ownership is making is because I hope that's not what's happening. Um, because I think it, it, it's going to be a pretty gross miscalculation if, if they're wrong. And just to, to reiterate, like, I don't, I don't think that people are going to stop being fans. I don't think they're going to stop caring. I don't think they're going to stop watching. But when you have the highest ticket prices in the league, when you have some of the highest concession prices in the league, when you have an overall ballpark experience that is the most expensive in the league, when you're trying to generate revenue from a new network that you need people to buy, right? Like all of that doesn't really line up super well with everything else that is going on with the team. And I I just wonder if relying on that, relying on the the fervor that we all had in 2016 and 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 the the desperation, the lengths that people would go to to get tickets, to get playoff tickets, to buy merch and to wait in line for all like a lot of that is still going to be there. 
but but every bit of it i don't know i don't know I, I, it's 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 a lot to think about it's nuanced it's not black and white and you know maybe we can have more discussions on this or have other voices on to discuss this but it it just is it is a weird period to reconcile all of this i think does that all make sense brendan or am i this is i mean i don't know where this ranks on Corey's gone off on an unhinged tangent for 10 minutes but I, I I think it makes sense it makes sense to me but it just it's it's reconciling you know all the business decisions and and the kind of thinking about what needs to happen for all of it to work and to work the way that Tom and Crane want it to and and just everything else and it's just like man like I, I don't I don't know about all of this it it, it doesn't feel like a puzzle that's like coming together. You know what I mean? Yes. That wasn't there, a very <laughs> confident yes, but I'll take well, it. Well, my my yes is because, there, I mean, there's so many factors involved. And we'll, we'll have the entire off season to talk about it. But the, like my, my, my issue is trying to parse out the effect of COVID on, on all of this. And... The Cubs never had their own TV network in, in the past. And even during their hot stretch, they were on like four different networks airing their games. Like they've had issues for a while and they've been popular. Um, so I don't, I don't know if the Marquee Sports Network is going to deter fans away, even if the content is not you know up, up to our standards. I think if it's passable, it's, it's fine as is. The concern I have is sustaining the type of environment like at Wrigley Field or even even on like a regular broadcast that fans are accustomed to and that does go back to marquee but there there's you know trying to pinpoint down the most important thing to keep fans involved or to gain new fans I don't know the solution. I would imagine, as an outsider looking in, making your product accessible to anyone who is curious about it should be the priority. And I, I, I draw from my own experience with that because I, myself, got to watch them on WGN as a young kid, right? I said that a few times. And I don't, I don't take that lightly. I don't take that effect lightly for other Cubs fans as well. And I see even the effect of in the past like MLB censoring the pitching ninja for for a few months there that was ridiculous right but it's that same type of mindset where you're not actively trying to get your product to the most people possible the NBA does a great job at that the the MLB does not and now I think marquee is amplifying the issue that MLB already has but what I think brings in the most fans is winning. So even with these issues, if the Cubs are going to be competitive and continue to be competitive, I'm not going to have any issues. You know, some of these issues with the with the network are going to be subtle for me. They're not going to be overwhelming. But if your team sucks, if the marquee sports network also is not producing good content and not making it available to everyone in Chicago, this is a perfect storm. And I think it has not an immediate effect that's, that's I guess, prominent. I think it does have an immediate effect. But this is a generational type effect. This, this is a type of effect that you don't see until you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now when the next generation of fans come up. That's, that's my concern. So 
it's a multi it's a multifaceted issue. This this is this is all to say it's a multifaceted issue that's being amplified by a pandemic and the uncertainty, the revenue issues, and so so much right now with Theo leaving and the roster being a little bit. Un- it's like everything is snowballing up and making the future a little bleak. But where I'm at today, you know, it's December seventh. Things are subject to change. I still think the future is not as bleak as maybe the general perception, and this is this could all be because I'm in denial and I'm a crazy fan who doesn't want to believe that the Cubs are you know about to enter in a different phase. But I, I truly believe, looking around the league, the Central, seeing the Reds trades trade Iglesias for basically nothing, like. I truly believe the Cubs can extend their window of success, not even in 2021, but 2022 and beyond. I, I really do believe that. And I think there is potential. I love Len. I miss Len. I think there's potential for the network to get this right with the right announcer. I think there's a lot of talent in the broadcast pool, naturally, given how widespread baseball is, that they can find a guy who you and I feel won't be a stranger in a year or two. I think this is all possible. So I don't want to say, I don't want this to come off as being like so negative because I don't think that's fully where we're headed. I think, of course, that's a possibility, but I'm not going to dwell on the inevitability that we're entering this, entering in this dark phase of Cubs fandom. They can get it right. They can put a competitive product on the field, make their network accessible to everyone in Chicago, and do their due diligence, talk to fans, do their research, and get a suitable replacement for Len and improve their content. I think it's all within the realm of possibility that what we're talking about, all this negativity, will just be a thing of the past, and they can get it right. Yeah, no, and and I don't disagree with you, and I and I hope it it didn't come off as though I'm uh you know sh- sure either way. Um, you know, but I, I think it it was it was more just to say that I understand where a lot of, you know, it's just it's it's a lot of negative stuff lately. It's a lot of change. It's a lot of people leaving, and you know, a lot of the stuff that you read is not particularly inspiring. So it, it's it's uh, you know, I think it was just an opportunity to kind of explore the you know kind of crossroads point perhaps that the the team on the field and you know even off the field are at and all the different uh kind of forces at play but yeah no I I I do think that they can get it right I do think that they can find their way out of this um and we'll see what happens um but yeah, it it just was, you know, it's just sort of where my mind wandered. You know, I, I've written a, a lot of farewell tweets. I made a lot of farewell posts, um, you know, and then you go down the rabbit hole of reading another article about Chris Bryant trade proposals. And you're just like, man, this is bleak, you know, like this is bleak then. And, you know, like you said, like I, they can get a lot of this right on and off the field, but it's a lot to get right. You know, and so yeah, just kind of exploring um, where but that it's not, was at. It's, it's never going to be. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah, like that's that's the thing. It's, we've had such a great stretch of success, but most of our fandom is defined by not being good. The Cubs not being good. We've had a few playoff stretches where it's been the opposite. We won a World Series finally, but th- this is naturally part of being a fan. And if it's not going to happen. In terms of them going down this like you know slippery slope, if it's not going to happen now, 
who knows in 20 years they could be going down another rebuild and we're doing this all over again this is part of the gig you signed up for it whether you wanted to or not this is part of it and there will be a time whether it's now in 2021 or in five years or in 10 years where the cubs are back and being super competitive in a five plus year window i i I believe that. I just don't think that's where we're headed now. I don't think we're going into this dark place where Chris Bryant's going to be traded and Rizzo's not going to be extended and now Theo's gone and we have no sports network and Wrigley's and shit. Like that's, that is a little bit too much for me. And I said it a few weeks ago, they trade Chris Bryant. It sucks. I still think they can win the division with right corresponding moves. So that, that, you know, that's where I'm at. Again, you have to realize who, who I am. Sometimes I am a little pessimistic, but I, I truly, I, I, get into, I get into denial about these things. Like I, I, even if the Cubs are 20 games below 500, I'll somehow convince myself that there's a way forward to turn this around. So who knows if I'm doing that right now? I have no idea. We'll find out. Um, my last question for you is, uh, you know, you said that they can get it right as far as yeah. the new play-by-play person uh, is concerned. My question to you, Brendan, is do you think it should be me? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to do, you know, burst your bubble there. I think it'd be a great studio host. How about that? Uh, well, I mean, I'm just going to have to work through my feelings with how quickly you answered that question with a no. But um, Well, I mean, do you think you can do it? Yes. 160. Okay. Well, you know, if you if you have the confidence, Corey, then I'll have the confidence. My my only concern, as I shared on Twitter, would be uh, that you know, if someone like John is re-signed, I will get ejected. Um, well, that's the issue. Yeah. Like you can't. Well, but I think that that would be how I connected with the fans. I would be like you know a, a stone cold Steve Austin type fighting authority. It only goes so far, though. Like, I can't bail you out of jail. I can't, like, get you unfired if you're cursing on air. Like, you can't give the explicit forewarning as we do in our podcast on, you know, Marquee Sports Network. Well, they would, I, yeah, I mean, I think Marquee would have to bake in an FCC, you know, fine bank in my contract. <laughs> just have, just you deduct know, put it you from on, my pay. Put you, you know. on a, put you on, like, a, you know, a 10-second delay and just, you know, just silence your mic when you're I, ju- I just can like see that. it being a thing with the fans in the bleachers, you know, when, when John isn't getting that uh, outside corner, you know, on the on the cutter or whatever, or use, you know, curveball is, is not getting the bottom of the zone. I can see the, you know, me yelling at the umpire, the bleacher fans getting into it, egging me on, you know, it can be like a whole thing, you know. Not every day, but, you know, the, the crowd knows that if our guys are getting screwed, you know, our broadcasters, and maybe I could, I you know, I don't know, I could maybe have, um, you know, like a, what are those things called? Uh, not a microphone. What am I thinking of? <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking of. Anyway, something. See, this is why you're not qualified for the job. You don't even know what the technology they use to call no, these I'm not. I'm talking about like a thing that I can yell down to the umpire, like, you know. Like a, a megaphone. I'm thinking of a, a megaphone. megaphone. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for nothing, Brendan. Or just give yourself like the, the PA announcer mic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Excuse me, Andrew Bellison. I, I need this for a second. You know, like CB Buckner. That was a strike. CB Buckner. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to shake things up a little bit. Um, no, I, I don't think I'm going to be uh, 
getting that job. Well, but, you know, you made me feel bad because, like, I didn't know you were genuinely, in, you know, interested in that. No, it's fine. Days, you I'll, don't I'll believe in my it. dreams and have no confidence in my abilities. It's no, it's fine. I have um, anyway, in yeah, we'll continue to talk about this, and you know, again, some of this stuff is is fluid, and you know, really depends on. The direction of things, you know what I mean? Um, I, I think that a lot of people are, are very pessimistic about what ownership is going to do or allow Jed Hoyer to do in this offseason. And, uh, you know, some of those same folks are, are optimistic that, you know, this is a one-off season thing. And, you know, by the time the next year's offseason rolls around, you know, the Cubs will be back to a top five payroll and, you know, whatever. There are people pessimistic about all sides of that. There are people who are, you know, not convinced that it's even going to happen this offseason. So, you know, really what it comes down to is kind of uh, push coming to shove. You know, like we've seen some of these decisions start to happen with with guys like Schwarber and Almora, but really we, you know, we, we have yet to see kind of like the full okay, we're going this direction or we're not going this direction. And, you know, I think that's that's going to inform a lot of it. But, uh, you know, kind of at least that last little rant I was going on was really just, you know, it's it's been a lot of negativity. And uh, I think it's okay to, you know, in, indulge in that for a second and, and, you know, just sort of think about the future, think about where this organization is at. Um, and, you know, it express feelings on that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a definitive picture of the future. Uh, nobody's really offering predictions or, you know, betting on any certainties here. Um, just sort of thinking aloud at, you know, where this organization is at, the kind of sentiments you see from fans across the country, um, on different platforms and stuff like that. And, you know, just kind of trying to, to figure out where this, this franchise is headed. But as it stands, uh, you know, the, the winter meetings are taking place virtually this year, which I don't really know quite how, that kind of just seems like how it always is, right? Like, can't Jed Hoyer just call Brian Cashman anytime? I'm not, I'm not sure what is different now. I don't know if they're like all in a big Zoom chat all day or something weird like that. But, um, that's going on. And as we said on the last episode, you know, we passed the major deadlines, the the free agents are there, the, uh, you know, tender pool has, has filled up and teams can can do what they want to do. So I, I would assume that Jed is, is fielding calls on players, maybe making calls to agents and free agents and stuff like that. So we'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, one, one thing I, I want to reiterate again that Brendan you know just mentioned um again keep in mind folks this division is really bad and I I know that you know winning a bad division and not doing much in the playoffs like we just we just did that right you know three teams from the NL Central made the playoffs none of them did anything in the playoffs um so that's not always an indication of big success but I do think Brendan's point is an important one that you can do retooling and you can still mess around and screw around and, you know, get yourself into the playoffs with Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish and see what happens, right? Get hot and, and see what happens there. Uh, I, I, we've certainly seen bad teams win the World Series, so nothing is, is out of the question. But that's uh, not exactly how I wanted to be looking at an offseason, but 
I think it's important to remember because um, I think you know a lot of even the the 2021 talk gets pretty negative in a, in a context where uh, the Cubs would have to do a lot of work to this roster to at least not be in competition for the top of this division. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think the ultimate conclusion is that we're going to miss Len, and I you know I, I hope that I, I moreover in just believing it. I I genuinely hope that this is what Len wants to be doing. It would make me very sad to learn that he wanted to stay with the Cubs forever and, you know, something about all of this led to this change. Um, But more than anything, I I hope that uh, he is fulfilling a dream to be in radio and honoring all the broadcasters that have influenced his career and that he talks about a lot. He mentions Ernie Harwell a lot that he watched as a kid. Um, And I hope that that's what's happening. I I hope that this is the move he wants to make, that it's a good move for him, a good move for his family, um, and that it makes him happy because he's, he's been a part of our lives for a long time. He's been a friend um, you know, and, and a Cubs family member for over a decade. And um, it's, it's, it's rare to have that connection with someone, you know, I, again, like speaking for Brendan and myself, that you have that connection with when you're a teenager and, and growing into being an adult and, and all those different phases of your life. You know, he, he was one of those constants. So more than anything, I, I, I'm, we're very grateful that he was the broadcaster for the Cubs, uh, and that he got to be a part of it when they ultimately did win the World Series. And I hope this is a good move for him, a good journey for him, and, uh, that he is happy with this. That's, that's my ultimate sentiment. So other than that, I, I, I think that's all we have. Uh, we will be back with you if there's anything to talk about, as it always is with the off offseason. Uh, the schedule's up for grabs as, as far as recording. We, we'd like to stick to these Mondays of recording, but the Cubs can pull stuff at any moment, uh, you know, and if it happens, we'll, we'll jump back on here. Um, I think it's usually player stuff, like we didn't do a, a break-in episode for Len, uh, kind of stick to the on-the-field stuff as it relates to that. But we're in that period where we can get action really soon, or it could be like months before, you know, Jed really pulls the trigger on things. We'll see. But we'll, we, we will be here to cover it all. Uh, and yeah, so thank you guys for listening and supporting the Cubs-related podcast. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, we end by saying, Go Cubs! For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24 7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.